I was quite amazed actually when I saw Dave put out uh, yesterday's social media stuff on come and hear Gary talk about and sort out everything that's been going on in the world today, forever, amen, with a fantastic picture and everything. And I sat there like going, oh boy, no pressure. (laughs) And there isn't, there isn't any pressure at all. But actually what I want to start by this morning, there's so many, there's so many questions, there's so many emotions running around at the moment, uh, even more so. Um, than, than, than maybe normally we would have. And I wanted to start reading a scripture uh, from Paul to the church in Philippi. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to start with that scripture because that's the one that's hit me this week and how I have had to react. It's easier said than done in this current climate, isn't it? easier said than done. However, it's the scripture I just wanted to read before I kind of go into what I'm going to go into. Um, And I'm going to pray right now for us that we would receive God's peace at this time that will deal with all of our trying to understand what's going on in the world today. So let's just pray briefly now. Father, that scripture that Paul in his letter writes to people that were being anxious about what was going on. Father, I pray that we would not be anxious, but actually we would pray. It says, present your request to God. And Father, right now, I request your peace upon us right here, right now. And I request your peace, Father, in the Ukraine. Father, may that be our prayer that helps us understand and guard our hearts and minds. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I should have a PowerPoint if that's okay to put up. So look, what on earth is going on? Um, just make sure I'm on. That's fine. How do we respond to current events? We've just gone through a pandemic, still in it. We're having to live with COVID-19 now as part of our daily life. It's a new change in the world. Many of us have been affected by this, many. And uh, some of us have had to deal with some very serious life-threatening situations over the last couple of years. Now to top it off, Vladimir Putin has decided to invade Ukraine, sending the world into a spin over what the next few days, weeks and months might have in store for all of us. I'm sure this week you have had all of your own kind of personal feelings and thoughts, um, fear, Anxiety, worry, 
confusion, despair. Don't worry, you haven't been a bad Christian or a bad human. These are perfectly normal human responses to what we are seeing, but they're nothing compared to what the people are going through out in Ukraine. Our friends, our neighbours and relatives are probably feeling exactly the same. And as I said, the people of Ukraine tenfold. I want us to look at two things this morning. I want to look at some apocalyptic, eschatological, these words I learn at college, (coughs) basically end times kind of stuff towards the end of the age when Jesus returns. Uh, scriptures and what our response should be as Christians, mainly to be that non-anxious presence. I'm not going to go down a conspiracy theory route this morning. I'll do that with the young people at another time. Uh, they love that. Um, I don't, yeah, don't go. If you want to have a conversation with me about properly how I feel about things, I'm happy to do that. But that's not, I'm not using that platform here this morning to do that, okay? But I will just share a few thoughts. I don't want to create an atmosphere of fear um, at all. But I'll, this morning, I want to create an atmosphere of hope. So stick with me. <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you don't like something I say and you storm out, at least come and have a chat with me at some point afterwards. Hopefully it won't be that bad. If there's no one left apart from Ben and Hannah, then, you know, that'll do. Um, the theologian, somebody who just studies God, thinks about God, okay, very deeply. Um, Karl Barth. He once said, take your Bible and your newspaper. Hang on. Because that's pretty much where we get all the information these days, isn't it? You know, who buys a newspaper? Look at that. Not even enough count on this hand. (laughs) Sorry, yeah, not enough fingers on that one. But take your Bible and your newspaper or your 24-hour news, whatever you're watching and reading, but interpret this from this. Interpret what's going on here from this. This is really important because when we open scriptures, the Bible app or whatever it might be, this is where we get everything we need to reflect on what is going on in the world. And that's what I've done this week as I've kind of like delved into us. Um, How do we interpret what's happening today? through scripture. And like I said, in the Gospels there are the apocalyptic writings in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And it's Jesus foretelling the end of the age. Right? There are other books as well in this fantastic book called the Bible, uh, which have got lots of other scriptures and understandings about end time stuff. I mean, Revelation is just a brilliant book to read. Blows your mind. Um, but, as it says at the right at the beginning of the book of Revelation, blessed are the one who reads the words of this book and understands. There's something powerful about reading the book of Revelation. Let's not walk around thinking everything's going to be okay future time. There's stuff that's going to happen 
that's going to be a challenge, I personally believe, as I've studied the word. Others may disagree, but that's okay. But in here we have the foretelling of the end of the age. There's Old Testament stuff, Ezekiel, Daniel. I'm going to touch a little bit on Daniel this morning. Um, I'm going to read a chunk of this this morning. Um, So I'm going to read, if we can, next slide please, if possible. So for those of you, we can hand out Bibles, I believe. Is Richard around? I think we can hand out Bibles. So, so if you would like a Bible this morning, then um, young George and old Bernard, <laughs> bless you, brother. <laughs> Sorry, young George and a little bit older Bernard are going to hand out Bibles. If you'd like a Bible, please raise your hand as you have done. You'll receive one and turn to Matthew 24. I'm going to read from 1 to 14 and then I'm going to skip a little bit because it's not for us right now to 29 to 44. And obviously if you're at home, hopefully you've got your Bible or whatever you're using. Let me read. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Excellent. Second narrator. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see that standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, and let the reader understand, then let those that are in Judea flee to the mountains. I've gone past my bit. My apologies didn't want to go into that bit because that's really confusing. (laughs) But I'm happy to talk to you about that. Immediately, I go to verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the uh, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky 
with great power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. They will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. A lot of people believe that that is Israel returning to its promised land again. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he'd have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you did not expect him. Big chunk of scripture. Love God's word. That's Jesus. That's the words of Jesus. That's not some person on TV that's telling you the end of the world is coming or anything else like that. They're the words of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Now, going to college, I've learned a lot of things. It's quite amazing. It's changed me in some of my theology, my understanding of scripture. In other words, it's completely solidified some stuff that has been rolling around for decades in my head. Jesus is speaking specifically to the disciples about the end of their age. But I also believe Jesus is speaking to us as well 2,000 years later as we're still in that age. For the disciples, many of them were destroyed, executed, apart from John, who had the revelation that we read about at the end of the Bible. The church was scattered. 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the temple, this massive temple which just just overshadowed Jerusalem. It was massive. If you've seen pictures of it, or if you haven't seen pictures of it, have a look at some pictures of what it would have looked like, the, the, the reconstruction. It was huge. It wasn't just a nice little temple and push them. It was massive. And Jesus said that that would have been destroyed. So when that kind of stuff happened for the disciples, that was the end of their age for them, for many of them. And church was scattered. And like I said, believe strongly that this is also for us as well, especially that second part that I read out, where not even Jesus, the son of, <laughs> the son of God, knows the hour when he will return. He probably didn't know then whether he knows now. It's an interesting one, one we've theologically discussed, because he's in heaven with with God. 
And I'm sure that they're looking at us and just weighing up things right now. In Daniel 2, I'm gonna, if I can go to the next slide, please. In Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a massive statue, a head of gold. Tiny little picture that I could use for free. A head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet were a mixture of iron and baked clay. Now I'm going to read Daniel's interpretation of that dream, and then I'm going to explain uh, what I think that is. It says, after you, another kingdom will arise. This is to Nebuchadnezzar. Inferior to yours, next a third kingdom, one of bronze will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there'll be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes anything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. You will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. I find that a fascinating interpretation of the dream because you just have to look at history that the gold stands for Babylon, which is Iraq, as we've got now. Silver, the Medes and Persians, Iran around that area. Bronze, ancient Greece, we're starting to move now towards the uh, west a little bit more through ancient Greece. Iron, then being ancient Rome, which we kind of know quite a lot about through uh, learning at school a lot more about the Romans than everything. And the very final one, the feet, the thing that holds it all up, iron and baked clay after the Romans... Now, you look at the world today, and as it says there, just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. We are more divided as a world than we ever have been, I believe. Yes, there's been divisions, but it's been building. It builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. And it is building more and more. We have more divisions in our world today than we ever have done. Political parties, denominations, churches, religions, different colours that are angry against each other. It is building, it is bubbling. I believe we are in that last age. I believe we are in that last age as we do not get on with one another. I won't tell you what happens next, but a giant rock hits that statue, destroys it, and that rock, we believe, is Jesus Christ. His second return. If you look through history, there have been apocalyptic times, especially for those that were right in the middle of it, For the Ukrainians right now, that is how they're feeling. This is the end. 
I don't know that feeling. I don't want to know that feeling. But right now, as we kind of ponder and think, they're right in the midst of it. They've had two world wars. That was the end for a lot of people. That was hell on earth. Iraq, Afghanistan, even the war on terror. Some of the laws that have come in um, under the radar. I'm not going to go into that now, but there are laws that one day things I say from the front may be illegal. Like I say, not going to go into that. I'm just aware of it. This is the bit that's really important in Matthew 24, verses 4 to 8. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. It's not birth itself. And like I said, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples at this point. These things would happen in their time. But we're disciples today. Those of us that follow Jesus. And I believe Jesus is speaking to us too. We see an increase in these wars and rumours of wars. Our phone tells us all the time when it pings that there's a new breaking news thing going off. And nearly always we're seeing something of a conflict. We are seeing an increase in famines and earthquakes. And I believe also diseases. We're still in one big pandemic. I also believe we're seeing an increase in the wickedness of humanity. How we treat fellow man. Awful. Jesus says these are all the beginnings of birth pains. As a guy, I don't understand that pain. I do not understand physically that pain. The only, thing, the only bit I know about that pain is when my wife was crushing my hands when Toby was being born. But we don't go there with that because it's just not right to bring that up. What I'm trying to say this morning is the current situation may be another series of those birth pains. But each time it is progressing. I'm going to read from a theologian. Woo. It's a very heavy book, Ben. You don't need to help me now. It's all right, I got it. It's very heavy. <laughs> Ben's getting it this morning. I just want to read from, from what this guy Wayne Gruden says about, about this, because I think it was, I was reading it. This is quite good. Um, apart, he goes on to say, apart from that darkening of the sun and the moon and everything that was read in, in Matthew, that kind of hasn't happened yet. Um, but does this position do justice to the warnings that we should be ready Uh, that Christ is coming at a time we do not expect. Is it possible to be ready for something that we think unlikely to happen in the near future? Certainly it is. Everyone who wears a seatbelt when driving or purchases car insurance gets ready for an event that he or she thinks to be unlikely. 
In a similar way, it seems possible to take serious the warnings that Jesus could come with uh, when we are not expecting him. And nonetheless, to say that the signs preceding his coming will probably yet occur in the future. This position has positive spiritual benefits as we seek to live the Christian life in the midst of rapidly changing world. In the ebb and flow of world history, we see from time to time events that could be the final fulfilment of some of these signs. They happen, then they fade away. During the blackest days of World War II, it seemed very likely that Hitler was the Antichrist. During times of persecution against the church, it can seem more likely that Christians are in the middle of the Great Tribulation. When we hear of earthquakes and famines and wars, it makes us wonder if the coming of Christ might not be near. Then these events fade into the background and world leaders pass off the scene. And the tide of events lead to the end of the age seem to have receded for a time. Then once again a new wave of events will break on the world scene and once again our expectation of Christ's return is increased. With each successive wave of events we do not know which one will be the last. And that's good because God does not intend for us to know. He simply wants us to continue to long for Christ's return and to expect that it could occur at any time time do we live like that do we uh, live like Jesus could return now tomorrow Monday Tuesday Wednesday whenever it is are we living with that reality in our lives regardless of wars rumors of wars famines earthquakes and all that kind of stuff That's a big question for us. One of my favourite passages in scripture, uh, Philippians 1 verse 21, for me to live is to die is gain, from Paul. That was his attitude. For me to live is Christ, end of story. But to die, wow, I gain heaven. I gave eternity, gain eternity. What I just want to look at is how... How do we as Christians react to these current events? Especially as we continue living in our community. For me, the words of scripture need to be explored. As we read the newspaper, the the 24-hour news, read the scriptures. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, which I've read already, do not be anxious about anything. And we do. We worry about the silliest little things sometimes. Just worry about it in the light of Jesus coming tomorrow or in the next couple of hours. You might start thinking differently about how anxious you are. But by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Keep praying, don't stop praying. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Pray for the peace of God over your lives daily. I spoke a couple of weeks ago, didn't I, about being people of peace and and, and trying to find people of peace that God wants you to share life with. We need to be praying for peace in our lives daily because we know what we're like. (laughs) We panic. (laughs) For those of you old enough to remember Dad's Army... 
don't panic, Corporal Jones, run around saying, don't panic. We're called not to panic. But let's stop, relax, breathe, pray, resume life. This is how God wants us to deal with this situation. Matthew 24, verse 6 says, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. This is what we're seeing right now. But see to it, you are not alarmed. The Holy Spirit is known as the comforter. We need to allow him to comfort us. It's a big thing, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I know for many people, the Holy Spirit is something we don't really want him to work in our lives because it's possibly really scary. And I say, allow him to work in your life. It will be a revelation. Because he will comfort us. He will guide us through God's word, through prayer, through praying with each other. Anybody got one of these? Little Gideon's Bible. Couldn't find my one, I as a teenager. It's at the bottom of a drawer somewhere, held together by sellotape. That was my sword wherever I went as a young Christian. And if you've ever opened up the Gideon's Bible, I know I'm running way over time, but I don't really worry about that right now. In the front of this book, there are all these little things of where to find help when. This was my go-to. This was my smartphone. <laughs> I didn't have to Google it. I just went, right, what does Gideon's Bible say right at the very beginning about anxiety or needing guidance or needing peace or newly retired? No, not at that one yet. Tried. Uh, stressed, sleepless, jealous, intimidated, insulted. It's all there. And I would turn in a, a, a quick couple of minutes to the scripture and I'd be like, I'm comforted. I'm comforted as a young teenager. I advise you in these times to grab yourself one of these Gideon's Bibles, stick it in your pocket. And when you're at work and when people are asking questions, when you're at school and people are asking questions about everything that's going on, Let's have a little look at what it says about anxiety and worry. That's what I did. It was really helpful, not just for me, but those around me. I know we've probably got a few of these kicking around in the church somewhere, so if somebody wants one. Um, Patsy, you are a genius. I love Patsy. Every church needs a Patsy. Patsy's got a load upstairs. If you want, if you want a Gideon's Bible, just to kind of like actually, because sometimes taking the Bible into school, I know some young people have taken Bibles into school and had them ripped apart and thrown to pieces and all that kind of stuff, and that's really hard. But actually, that sticks in back pocket, top pocket, whatever. Anyway, just a little bit of advert there for the Gideons. But that was really helpful. But there's a, the passage in there is what I want to land on, what I want to finish with, and then we'll go into a time of communion. It's 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. That needs to be us. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Right now in our time, that needs to be our scripture where we are comforted by God. Now, we've come here this morning, I don't know how many people here this morning, and, and we're probably a little bit anxious about stuff, but actually what I want to do is, is pray for us a little bit later that we will have that comfort if we have time. <laughs> I'll stop talking in a minute. But in our personal lives tomorrow, when, or when we go home from here, when we turn on the news and we see the next thing that's happened and, and, and the inflammatory words that people are talking about, the next world war that's going to happen and stuff like that, are we living in the moment when God is saying to us, have peace, because there is a very scared world outside. And God wants us to be those ambassadors, those people that will bring comfort to those that are in a lot of turmoil. And to be honest with you at the moment, us in the West, we're okay. The people in Ukraine need this more than ever. Let's not run around like headless chickens ourselves. I've seen chickens that do that. It's not nice. It's messy. We're not here to cause trouble in the world. We're not here to make people angry because of our thoughts and our ideas. We're here to comfort people with the comfort that God gives us. And if we can't do that, don't go out. (laughs) Don't be a problem for God. Be a comforter. Lift people up at this time. Pray for them, love them, embrace them, pray with them, share life with them. I think we're going to need it more than we know over the coming weeks, months and years. I pray not, I pray, I don't pray not in that sense, but I pray not that it will not escalate. That's all of our prayer, I know that, but it will not escalate. But if it does, we're called to be comforters. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to spend a bit of time in communion. Father God, there's a lot of heavy stuff there, and I know that I weighed up this morning whether I should preach that. But Lord, what is of you and what is is right, Lord, may that be weighed, may that be tested. Father, may that sink deep. What has been read this morning that isn't of you, Father, would you strike it? Would you take that away from people's minds? Father, for each one of us at this time, we pray that we would be comforters. Not antagonistic, not argumentative, not trying to sort out and and apologise for you, God, even though sometimes there's that opportunity. But Lord, may we just be people of peace right now to comfort our community, to comfort our workplaces, our school places, our homes, that, Father, we would be a non-anxious presence. 
Father, I pray that for every single one of us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.